You're listening to Culture Matters, a podcast that explores the intersection of faith and culture. Hey, this is Adam Griffin, and I'm here with my wonderful, handsome co-host, Adam Hawkins. Adam, how you doing today, buddy? Sup. Sup. Hey, Adam, did you have a good summer? I did. Did you have a good summer? I did. I missed you. I missed being here in the booth with you. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Well, Adam and I are actually talking to you from a brand new location. We're here in Citizens Church this morning. This is a slight improvement over the the usual studio we're in in many ways. One, Chris Starrett is in the room with us. Hey, Chris. How you doing, Chris? <laughs> but I came in this morning. Normally, when we walk in the studio, I'm like, man, does anybody have any water? I'm super thirsty. This yep. morning, I look around the room. There's a fridge of Topo Chico, Yep. which is better than regular water. That's right. There's bubbles in it. Yes. It really is. It's, you pay for it, but it, it, you pay for the bubbles. You do. So good. But we also got couches. You can lounge around in here. This is like a big, open, luxury studio. That's that's how we wanted to make it. You, you designed this, I assume. We wanted the room... To match the state of our hearts. Oh, which is luxurious. Luxurious. <laughs> hip. <laughs> and full of Topo Chico. Full of, full of bubbles. <laughs> well, we are, we're at Citizens Church this morning. Uh, and we're going to be recording from Citizens from now on. This is our new home. Yeah. Adam, it's also your new home. Tell us a little bit about... A lot has changed this summer. A lot has changed. A lot but has changed. But one of the things that's changed is you're no longer an employee of the Village Church. I'm no longer an employee of the Village Church, which honestly is... And I'm, I'm sure you'll feel the same, but is there's a sadness to that. Yeah. Uh, but there's also a great deal of excitement because the reason I'm no longer an employee of the Village Church is because um, we decided we... Well, they, the village... We, went, you and your wife. Yes, no. <laughs> uh, the village decided to roll off or transition office campuses to be local autonomous churches. And so um, that's what we just... This summer, basically, we came to the end of that project, which is about a two-year project for us personally at Citizens Church. And uh, we are now our own autonomous church. August 1st was actually our, our first day uh, to be Citizens Church. Well, congratulations. Thanks, man. That's got to be, I mean, it's a brand new thing. Transition's always hard. Yes. And there's, I mean, it's been so complicated in so many, many ways, but you guys have seen the Lord do some incredible stuff already yeah. as you have rolled off and be, uh, to be this autonomous church in Plano, Texas. Absolutely. Citizens. Yeah. Yeah. And part, part of the, I'm sure we'll get into it, but part of the reason we did that is really a response to what the Lord's calling us to do, but also, I think, recognizing what's happening in the culture around us yeah, uh, and wanting to be shrewd and wise and think about the best way to reach um, our our culture, our our area, uh, where we live uh, with Your the locality. gospel, our locality yeah. with the gospel, especially in an age that is becoming more and more disembodied in an age where things are more digital and not, um, yeah, not an- analog, you might say, where where everything is sort of in the cloud, even church is becoming more and more in the cloud. So to do church on the ground in a place that says, hey, we can't be everywhere all the time, that's not how God made us, we're going to be here and we're going to have a certain reach here. Uh, it's just an expression that is now countercultural. Yeah, that's interesting. And it is kind of an interesting cultural moment of uh, where people aren't um, 
maybe traveling as much, telecommuting is more popular, locality is becoming more important, local sourcing is becoming more important. And it's not that the church has been influenced by that, the church has always been local, but there is a drive to say, what does it look like to minister to the people who live here? Mm-hmm. Not the commuter who's coming, but the person who lives in the neighborhood, and you guys are doing that. Yep. And in just one week from now, from the day we're recording this, we'll hit the one-year anniversary of Eastside Community Church, which Incredible. is the church, the church I pastor in East Dallas, which similarly was sent out from the Village Church to start something new, to be a, a local community of people. And so between the two of us, Adam and I, neither of us work at the Village Church anymore. And Chris Starrett, who's one of our awesome producers for this show and, and does all the editing, does much more hard work on the show than anybody else. In fact, Adam, you may not know this, but Chris was in the studio at 6 a.m. this morning basically building this thing, because today was going to be day one, and it was not done yet. And so he came off vacation yesterday, went hard at work. But Chris is no longer an employee of the Village Church. He works here at Citizens. And David Rourke, our uh, our producer, is now working for the Human Coalition. So yep. he's no longer at the Village Church. He works kind of in their communi- communication department of Human Coalition, which does a ton of work for uh, advocating for women in crisis pregnancies and for the unborn. And so since the four of us None of us know. None of us work at the Village Church anymore, and we still want to keep doing this podcast. We think it's important. We'll get more into that and more into that here in a second. But it made the most sense for us to say, "Man, let's let's keep doing culture matters, and let's keep being friends with the Village Church. Let's have this incredible relationship Absolutely. with them." But in many ways, this is a new season, episode one hundred. This is a new season for the podcast in more ways than one. Yep. And one of the major ways that's true is we're no longer a podcast of the Village Church. That's right. This is now an independent Christian podcast. Friends with the Village Church, friends with Citizens Church, Eastside Community Church, and kind of broadening our horizons a little bit. This is our chance. This is our chance to do something really, <laughs> truly special. Well, let's, uh, because of that, episode 100, we want to reset on why we even do this show. Yeah. Why is it important, we believe, for Christians to be thinking about culture, but also what is the purpose of this show? Adam, let me ask you this as a pastor. Well, first, before we even get to that, let's let's reset, because people may be jumping into this for the first time. This may be the first episode they listen to. Sure. Episode 100, you don't want to have them go back and get little pieces of who is Adam Hawkins. Really quick, one of the things I talk about often on the show is that you are a pastor, but you were a lawyer. Can you tell us just like a 30-second, two-minute version of that story. Who are you? What's your background, Adam Hawkins? Yeah, so, um, man, I'll try to be quick. My What I always had wanted to do, actually, was be a philosopher. That's what I... Is that true? Yeah, that's in, that's what I intended to be. Do people which pay is, a lot for philosophy this day? They these don't. Days? Okay. Uh, but I thought the most important thing to do was actually stay engaged in that conversation, because that's where you'd find true knowledge. And then the Lord blew me up. Uh, which I'm super thankful for, and saw, and and I saw that what I was sort of the pathway I was going down wasn't really true knowledge. There's truth there, and all truth is God's truth, but that wasn't where I was finding peace and solace and human flourishing and all these kind of things, which I think actually represent in love, which actually represent the backdrop of reality. So I was studying something that wasn't leading to ultimate truth. Uh, God captured my heart, and that's what I wanted to do. In the midst of that, I ended up at law school as sort of a uh, I didn't know where to go, uh, and I knew I didn't want to be in philosophy anymore, so I ended up at law school, and I actually moved to Dallas after law school. And um, What kind of law did you practice? I, I actually studied to be a criminal lawyer. I wanted to help the homeless, uh, and then I uh, wanted to be a public defender. And then um, while I was studying to take the, the bar exam here, I ended up uh, taking a sort of a temporary job 
as a paralegal at a patent litigation firm. And so I ended up, I mean, after I passed the bar, they hired me. And so I didn't do what I had studied to do. I ended up practicing patent litigation. So it was litigation, but um, it it was interesting. And I I won't talk a whole lot about it uh, because it's probably only interesting to patent lawyers. (laughs) Which is Uh, a huge portion (laughs) of our listenership. That's right. Um, But but one thing I also immediately did when I came back to Texas was get involved in recovery at the Dallas campus where you were the uh, spiritual formation pastor. And I just fell in love, and I I had really since the time God had called me, I had uh, uh, um, I wanted to be a pastor. I didn't know how to do this without doing it head on, and so you guys were super patient with me and loved me well. And over four years, uh, I took a chance, and and when the Plano campus opened, I was hired to be an an, an executive assistant. Yes, and you uh, so I did that for a little while. So yeah, now I'm a pastor and. The road's been crazy, and it's a story that only God could write, and I'm so thankful for it. Yeah, let me brag on you for a second, because I do think this probably comes across to a lot of our listeners, but you are brilliant. And when it comes to philosophy, I, it's obvious that you wanted to be a philosopher, because you do you have such deep and helpful thoughts about important cultural issues, which is why I love getting to do this show with you. It really challenges me. And then in that, you, you studied law and practiced law, and so you bring that experience and those ideas to a show like this. It really, again, is super helpful. And then you combine that with your pastoral experience, your pastoral heart for recovery, and so many of the issues that we talk about in the show are about how do you how do you guard and guide somebody out of something that's been really difficult because this is happening in our culture, which of course is your pastoral heart. Yeah. Do you remember the first time you and I had a meal together? I do. Where was it? Do you remember? Oh man, where was I know it was with uh It was with Matt Younger. Matt Younger. Pastor at Northway Church. Pastor at Northway now. And it was at Chewy's. Chewy's, that's yes. exactly where it was. I was <laughs> we gonna say. Chewy's, you were very different at the time. You were wearing a shirt that had your name. Or your embroidered on embroidered it. on it. The height of pretension. Which now you wear, I've never seen you outside of like a, either a throwback t-shirt or vintage t-shirt, which is a nice way of saying like thrift store clothing now, but it used to be... Basically, I look like a bum. <laughs> but it used to be like super fancy, Adam. Yeah. But we sat at Choose and you were looking at leaving what was probably a six-figure lawyer job and saying, yeah. hey, can I come be an intern? That's true. For $1,000 a month at the Village <laughs> Church. And at the end of that meal, uh, the pastor we were meeting with... Uh, said, hey, what do you think? Won't he be a great intern? And I was like, are you kidding me? This guy's, he's a lawyer philosopher who wants to be a pastor. We're not going to pay him a thousand bucks a month. Let's try to help him find a job. And so we helped you find that an executive assistant job at the Plano campus. But you quickly skyrocketed to being the spiritual formation, kind of a campus exec pastor. And now you're a lead pastor shared with Jamin Roller here at Citizens Church. Couldn't That's be right. more excited about what the Lord's done in your life and about what's coming forward. So, Well, you're way too kind to me, and I appreciate that. And And if, well, let me say this. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. For, uh, for that one Chewy's meeting. For that one meal. Chewy's meeting. No, but your care and your love. And um, let me ask you this, because you mentioned it and you moved on quickly from it. What has a year, what has God taught you in a year of being the pastor, the lead pastor preacher of yeah. Eastside Community Church? Which, by the way, for people, most church plants are small. Most sure. church plants start really small. And you guys started big and you still have nearly a thousand people on a weekend. And yeah. so, yeah, what, how, well, what has had, God We've had you? every advantage that a church planter could ask sure. for. I mean, we have a lot of people who are already leading at a church say, we, we live over here, let's go do this together. And so it wasn't like my wife and I parachuted into a new town. We were starting a church where we lived with hundreds of other people who already lived there. Yeah. And we have, uh, we meet in a school and the school that we meet in on Sunday mornings 
uh, we have an incredible relationship with that school. And in so many ways, the Lord has just set us up in a neighborhood that's one of the poorest neighborhoods in Dallas. It's one of the most diverse neighborhoods in Dallas. It is uh, tons and tons of refugees. And you know my heart for refugee Absolutely. ministry. It's it's my neighborhood. Last night, I was uh, grilling out in our park and hanging out with a bunch of kids from all over Africa and the Middle East and hanging out with... A, I made a new friend with a guy from Nepal last night. I mean, wow. this is my neighborhood. Yeah. And so for us to have a church on our side of town that, like you said, thinks locally, thinks about what are the needs of this community... I, I love that, and it's been everything I could hope for. Yeah. Now, in some ways, I, I want to say like we're in a honeymoon phase, but I'm literally always waiting for the other shoe to drop. It feels, some ways, church plants and church planters will amen this all day. Everything feels personal. Everything feels kind of brittle and fragile. Yeah. Like it's only this old. It could go away at any moment. And in some ways, that, there's a goodness that comes with that of saying, let's hold everything open-handed and whatever yeah. the Lord might do with it. And in some ways, that's what we're doing with the podcast too, is saying, hey, this is going to be a new season. There's some new things happening. We're going to hold it open-handed. Yeah. I'm really, really excited about the way that we will get to take this and what the Lord's going to do with it and why it's helpful for Christians to hear other people talk about culture and for us to take topics from the listeners and say, yeah, let's let's address those things. But I want to hold it open-handed and say, Lord, whatever you want to do with this, we're excited about it. Let's switch gears a little bit. Let's talk about culture matters. Adam, why is it important, do you think? And it, I mean, you again, you're bringing this experience of philosophy, and you're bringing in your legal background, and now as a pastor in a local church in Plano. Why is it helpful to your people, to any people, to have a podcast that discusses a, a cultural engagement for Christians? Uh, both, I, I'm thinking kind of two-sided here, for the Christian to know what should we engage in in culture and how should we disengage and how should we be different, countercultural? Yes. Why is that important for Christians to explore? I think part of your question even really stated states the theology behind it uh, when you say what should Christians engage in and in what way should be countercultural. I think when sometimes in theology, the way we talk about it is to say we are in the world, but not of the world, right? That's a that's a way of thinking about it. Uh, what's that mean? So it means that there is, we don't have an option but to be influenced by yeah. culture. Um, and culture is, uh, uh, so let, let, me, let me take that another way. You can pretend that you don't exist in this world, but it, you're going to have a hard time pretending that, you know? Uh, the reality is that we're going to, every human being is going to come in contact with other human beings. Every human being is going to be influenced by how human beings in that place and time act. And if we aren't cognizant of that, we will sort of just... Uh, be carried down the river, in a sense, of the cultural stream, and we won't even be able to recognize it. And that's really dangerous, because what can end up happening is certain beliefs and attitudes can infiltrate, well, on a on an individual level, can sort of infiltrate who you are, can help shape who you are. Uh, but I think on a wider level, like the church, the church can sort of start to mirror culture. Uh, without even knowing they're doing that. And so it's really important for Christians to understand why culture looks the way it does, how we've gotten to the place we we are and where we're headed, and then to really sort of say to ourselves, in what ways do we want to engage? In what ways do we want to step into the public arena and say, yeah, th these are things that are good, and these are the things that are from God, and we want to get behind those things. Um, an example might be like helping the poor, right? And so in our current cultural climate, um, there is a real, uh, I would say, there is sort of a 
um, antagonism around the poor right now. That's at least what I what I see in the media, anyways. Is sort of a um, they're other, and we need to push them to the side. So we would want to say, in that sense, we'd want to say we don't want to go with the culture, you know, there. And the other side of that is um, just to say we want to make sure that we are guarding our church and our doctrine from just following along loosely with things. Basically, we don't want our church to become uh, a, a, a puppet of government, right? We don't want our church to become a puppet of uh, a sort of culture war. So on the one side, we don't want to be, be defined by things we hate, and on the other side, we don't want to be uh, just um, reactionary. And, and yeah. So in some ways, you're saying churches, uh, we don't want to be downstream from culture. We don't want the culture to dictate who the church is. We don't want the government to dictate who the church is. We want uh, God and through His Word to dictate who the church is. That's right. And yet we're not so insulated from what's happening around us to say that we are uh, so countercultural to be completely removed from the time and place that we exist in. Yeah. And so it's important uh, to me and to you and for this, the reason this podcast exists, to help Christians kind of be guided through how should a Christian think about this? And in fact, this season in particular, I'm excited about thinking about some of the underpinning philosophies that may be more invisible than uh, Christians typically notice that kind of drive our culture. The some in some ways it's the idols and the gods that we've replaced the true God with, and in some ways it's a, it's very insidious. There's ways that, uh, and by insidious I mean it's like a small, almost invisible at first, and eventually becomes so normal that you don't even notice it. But it's detrimental to the Christian heart that comes from this culture. And we'll have examples all season long uh, as we talk through. And we're we're calling the season, and not every episode is going to be this, but we're walking through the isms. We'll talk through secularism. We'll talk through uh, consumer. We'll talk through some different uh, philosophies and different ways of operating that have become uh, just so ingrained into what it means to be an American or a Christian that you may not even notice that it's not biblical. Or, like we talk about all the time on this program, there are so, so many amoral, in other words, not good or evil, things intrinsically unto themselves that we find a way to twist either into something that is detrimental or something that is distracting. So for instance, we'll talk about technology on this program, and we'll talk about how technology is not necessarily a bad thing, but we always find ways to twist it in order to pervert and in order to use it to indulge in sin. And that might be the same thing that's true about uh, sports or television or movies or anything else in our culture. And sometimes we have episodes that are a little bit more lighthearted. We'll talk about things like what's happening in the culture around us in media, and sometimes they're a little heavier. We're talking about you know abuses of power in our culture, or we may be talking about... Um, uh, violence in our culture and those whatever's happening right now this is not the we're not like a hot take um podcast where it's like hey this happened this week we're coming on we're going to talk about it but we're kind of a slow take podcast of like this is kind of the bigger picture the umbrella issue that's happening and we want to unpack that together as Christians to make sure that we know how should Christians be thinking about this and we'll try to bring on guests at time in at times in order to in order to help us explore that together so now that we're no longer officially at TVC, which you will not see a whole lot change 
on this podcast. Ab and I are still going to be here. Our guests will see still be very much the same. The format is still going to be very much the same. Chris, who works here at Citizens, and David, who's at Human Coalition, they'll still be here, and a, and a lot of things we'll talk about are still going to be the same. But one of the one of the things that I, I want to um, mention is why us, Adam? Why why us? And I've mentioned that you're a philosopher, you're a lawyer, and you're a pastor. So to me, that's that's pretty self-explanatory. But why are you passionate about cultural, your faith and culture interacting? Why is that a passion of yours? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think um, part of it is just what I'm interested in, right? I think yeah. I think that's the easy answer is just to say, well, these are the things I enjoy reading about and thinking about. Uh, in some sense, it's uh, it's the way God made me, you know, yeah. <laughs> which um, we all have different interests and gifts and things like that. But I think I talked about it before, and I part of the reason I'm passionate about it is because um, I have seen the way that I personally did not understand that we are all, in a sense, downstream from culture. Here's all I mean by that. We are all fighting in a, in a real way. We're all fighting against a stream that is pulling us one way or the other. And if we're not cognizant of it, like I said earlier, we can really sort of unintentionally be taken places. And I just want to be careful and I want to guard that. And I, what, as you said, I want so badly um, for the church to be a place that is ruled by and uh, 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 driven by God's word and God's will for his people, not by just what's happening around us. And, and I, I, I have seen the ways that that has done so much damage to the church over time. Even if you're a student of church history, you see that. Absolutely. What about you? Why are you? Why, why is this something that you're passionate about? Well, I think there's a couple of things. One, I, I'm always interested to find my own blind spots, and yes. I think culture is one of them, where because I'm an American and I grew up in America, I grew up in uh, Nebraska, Wisconsin, Missouri, and now Texas for the last 16 years, uh, there's an environment that I've been raised in that I am unaware of just how much I've been influenced by the TV I've watched, the music I've listened to, the opinions of uh, what you might call secular culture or, or of other religions, or even the opinions of kind of small bubbles of Christianity, that I love to have my eyes opened to uh, realities that maybe I wasn't aware of that often exist in my own heart or are deeply rooted. And so when we're talking about culture matters and why, cult why culture does matter, I get really excited about opening up my eyes to go, man, this is not of God, but I have treated it like it's so... Uh, good because it's become normal and common. Sure. And so when it comes to things like the way we think about uh, violence or the way we think about sexuality or the way we think about technology or the way we think about entertainment, all those things, I think there's, there's versions of these that God has created and that are good that we find ways to twist them that often I find in my own heart until somebody's pointed out to me or until I've read something that the Lord has used to open open the door to see the reality of it, I just walk through it blindly. Sure. And so I want Culture Matters to be a podcast that helps listeners go, man, oh my goodness, I've been thinking about it this way, and this is just a totally godless way to have been considering my life. And I didn't realize that when God says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, that that means opening up myself to understand that I have 
if in any way I have added to God, or if any way I have followed another master in addition to God and justified it by saying, but I'm also following God, yes. then I need to sense the conviction that comes with saying, wait, God is to be not only your primary God, but he's to be your only God. That's right. And so I hope Culture Matters is, is something that really helps with that. Let me ask you, Adam, this season we're going to walk through isms. Yep. Is there anyone in particular that you're particularly excited about walking through? I think all of them. All of the isms. I, yeah, really, I mean that. I, I think they're helpful. I, my hope is that we'll be able to shed light on some of the isms of either the past that have led us to where we are now or the current isms um, that we all hold so so dear. So uh, we're going to do one later uh, on consumerism that I think is going to be really helpful. Um, I'd like to do one on Marxism. I think that's mm. going to be really helpful. Um, and they're just uh, all, of, uh, honestly, all of them. Yeah. They're mainly because they interest me, I guess. <laughs> what about you? I'm really excited to talk about secular humanism. Yeah. I think the one of the most fascinating things about our culture is it has become a culture that believes there is an unbiased position and it's secular humanism. Yeah. And this has totally infiltrated the church. Totally. Where you believe if you're going to have an opinion in a public sphere, it has to come from a godless and human centered world as if that is an unbiased position. Yeah. And just for quick example, I just think uh, in the political world, or if you're running for office, or if you're in a workplace that's not faith-based, it's become, hey, if you want to share something in here, God cannot be a part of it, because that would be a bias. Yes. As if that's not a bias to say that God cannot be a part of something. Yeah. And so we've created this uh, idea that there's an unbiased world in secular humanism, and we all need to operate in that world in order to function as a society. Yeah. And to me, that is super fascinating, and I can't wait to get into more of it. Mm. Thank you for listening to today's episode. It was mixed and edited by Chris Starrett, produced by David Roark. We are looking forward to the rest of the season. If you liked what you heard today, you can rate and review us online. Thanks for listening.